establishing great relationships, pursuing the best in work, in life, in love. Right thinking, right relationships, right now. Hi, I'm Paul Moore here with Herman Even. And Herman, you know, I told you a few months back, all the women showed up at my door and said, the root of all evil rest here. <laughs> and I was just kind of hung down, brung down. You know, I felt like that song, Charlie Brown, why is everybody always picking on me? So guess what happened? I figured it out. I was out on the surfing the web and it says right here at mastermind.com low self-esteem is the root of all your problems or i went to personalexcellence.com same thing so the problem is i don't have enough self-esteem wow there is so much we need to talk about (laughs) maybe we need to pray (laughs) that's exactly right lord we do thank you so much that your truth is readily available to us. And we keep coming up with theories discounting your truth. Lord, I pray that we'll look at what you're asking us to consider and pay attention to that and do it in your precious name. Amen. Amen. So there it is. Just like, you know, Little League Baseball, if everybody gets a trophy, a trophy for all, we'll all be better athletes because I feel better about myself. Well, there is so much. In fact, I really want to plug a book. It's a secular book. I highly recommend this book. I, I've had it for quite some time, and I just picked it up again and have missed one of the best chapters in the book when I stopped reading it. The best chapter in this book, it's called Willpower by Roy Baumeister, B-A-U-M-E-I-S-T-E-R, Baumeister. I think that's how you say it. And in this book, Willpower, he's got lots of good information, but chapter nine speaks to this issue directly. And one of the things that he says in there that I believe very, very clearly is that most people have a tendency to think that self-esteem is the antidote to people that aren't successful. It's the antidote to making people be successful. It's for the public good. If everybody had high self-esteem, things would work better. That's the theory. In fact, I could summarize the theory in my the way that I like to say it is the theory basically is saying we could create more productivity and we could create uh, higher quality people if they just thought well of themselves. A lot of money has been spent that uh, way. Oh, man, a lot of money has been spent that way. I would like to propose something because you've heard me say some things about self-esteem when we were dealing with the idea of self-love that we see in First uh, Timothy chapter 3. And I would like to propose something that I'm a bigger believer in that this secular research in this book has borne out in a very strong way. Something that's a lot more important than self-esteem is self-control or self-governance is the way we like to talk about it. And Roy Baumeister has done a lot of research on that to help people understand that self-esteem is staying in the unverifiable area, meaning I can think well of myself and have no real evidence to prove that I should be thinking that way as opposed to self-control, has verifiable evidence to show that you actually are accomplishing some things. So the difference is very, very dramatic. Okay, now in this book, though, he calls it willpower. Willpower, that's right. But he refers to it as self-control in this particular chapter. In fact, this particular chapter is 
pitting self-esteem versus self-control. And just one little statement that he says here on page 188, he says, the theory of self-esteem was a well-intentioned attempt to use psychology for the public good, and it indeed seemed promising at first. He goes on to say specifically that he was a big proponent of self-esteem. Okay, and in a nutshell, you were saying if I thought better of myself, I would do better. That's exactly right. That's the logic behind it. If I think poorly of myself, I'm going to become an unproductive person in society. And one gentleman by the name of Nathaniel Brandon made this statement. I think it was in the 60s. This is in in, uh, Roy Baumeister's book also. It says, Here's the quote. I cannot think of a single psychological problem from anxiety and depression to fear of intimacy to spouse battery or child molestation that is not traceable to the problem of low self-esteem. But ultimately, if you read the book, you're going to see that a big task force in California was put together and studied over a period of approximately eight to 10 years. And it doesn't bear that out. There is no correlation, basically, in their findings between high self-esteem and productivity or low self-esteem and, and bad productivity. Okay, maybe this is a rabbit trail, but I got to ask, as obviously I'm a regular listener and participant in great relationships, and you said before, before this show, you had commented that there is no such thing as low self-esteem, because if there was... If there truly was, I wouldn't care. That's right. That's the way I like to think about it. <laughs> so, so then it would mean, theoretically, that these people were thinking the opposite must be true. That's right. If I have high self-esteem, then I'm going to do better. And for that reason, all these investments in schools and sports teams, et cetera, were made. But the performance isn't bearing that out. It's not bearing that out. In fact, some people can still argue for it, saying that some of the research, you know, kids that had high self-esteem actually made better grades, but there's another study or the additional details and and data related to that study shows that as they made better grades, they actually thought better of themselves. So it was the self-control to make the better grades that actually increased their ability to think well of themselves. And that's, that's one of the things that is always difficult for people to grab a hold of. How is it that I can have a belief in my abilities? I, I need to believe in my abilities in order to do good work. That's how a lot of people think. Uh, I would say it's better to think about it from the viewpoint of just a can-do attitude. Am I willing to go try it and be a learner, or am I going to stay in the in the area of just being a performer, meaning I'm too scared to go try it, and therefore I'm not going to risk anything, and I'll never know whether I could do it or not. The big issue between confidence and self-esteem I only can get confidence in doing something if I actually go do it. I can't get confidence in it by just thinking that I'm doing it well. Well, you raise a good point because we were talking with our director before the show, you know, and he's a sports coach and he's got boys and stuff Mm -hmm. and he's been an athlete all his life. And he said, well, Herman, you know, I've always been told that if I'm going to play well, I need to think well of myself. It's it's there. There is, again, the issue related to. Am I willing to go try it? Am I willing to believe that there is a chance that I could do it? Uh, That's the first step. But believing, having confidence in my abilities because it's been proven out, I've practiced... That's not self-esteem. Yeah, it's, it's not. It's not. But that's the way a lot of people want to think about it. The issue is, 
am I willing to go try it first? That's how most people think. I've got to, got to have great self-esteem. I've got to think well of myself before I go try it. No, you just need to choose to go do it. That's, that's a big difference between uh, this, this idea. Again, there is so much evidence from what Roy Baumeister has done and even more important evidence from God's word to show that we are not to focus our attention on ourselves. We are to focus our attention on serving others. And that that's the reason why I'm the biggest reason I'm against self-esteem is because it creates a mindset that is the and it's totally against what God's word is saying. God's word is saying have a focus on serving others, just like Jesus Christ. All you need to do is go to Philippians chapter 2 and see that it's saying, yes, I understand that you think well of yourself, but don't think well of yourself. Put others as a higher priority than you like Jesus Christ did. So it's very easy for me to take some information from Roy Baumeister and see how valuable it is to say self-esteem is not working. Uh, but we can talk about that a little bit more. But I'm going to say, please pay attention to God's Word before you <laughs> pay attention to the willpower concept. Absolutely. Thank you for that. And we'll mention it again after the break. Again, you're listening to Great Relationships. Our website gr8relationships.com We'll be back right after this. Great definitions for great relationships. We have all asked, what is love? Love is pursuing the best for others, patiently, kindly, sacrificially, and unconditionally. Great definitions for great relationships, pursuing the best in work, in life, in love. Right thinking, right relationships, right now. Hello, this is Jim Lasher, founder of HOT, which stands for Honor Our Troops. Honor Our Troops began when I started sending care packages to my son who was serving in Afghanistan with the 501st Airborne. Chad told me about so many others that were not receiving anything in the mail by letter or care package from home. Since then, we have sent over 38,000 care packages to men and women serving in the armed forces around the globe. One story involves Sergeant David Perez, whose wife signed him up in one of our community outreach events. Here's David to tell you about it. Every time I received a care package from HOT, it was like Christmas for me and my soldiers. Receiving the package and the thank you and the support it represented boosted morale and opened a door to share the love of Christ. You can imagine the power of unconditional love. To learn more about sponsoring a corporate or community event, or if you would like to participate directly by sending a package, visit us online at www.hot-honorourtroops.com. listening to great relationships just so you can protect the innocent and condemn the guilty that's gr numeral eight relationships.com great relationships you can find a tab the radio tab listen to the mp3 file share it or even worse you can find the study guide in the videos to find out that we really mean what we say mm-hmm. herman before the break you were talking about the book willpower by roy Bymuster. but in there when he's talking about willpower, it sounds more like self-control. 
or as I would liken in the Christian maturity that we promote, self-governance. Right. It is. And he is talking and using that term self-control throughout the entire book. All you need to do is Google his name and you'll see that he is considered one of the premier researchers on self-control. I like to use the term self-governance because self-control in many people's minds, you know, just goes over their heads. Self-governance gives a little bit greater clarity, and it's just a different word for people to grab a hold of. So I prefer the term self-governance overall. The APA, the American Association of Psychiatrists, they said that narcissism is no longer a disease. They took it out of their guide. Yeah, yeah. it wouldn't surprise me because there's some interesting research that uh, shows that if you go take the Narcissistic uh, Index, MPI, I think is what it's called, uh, if you go take it, there is narcissism starts showing up at the score of about 20. Over the last 35 years or so, they've been tracking this. And in 1980 to 84, in that that time frame, the, the score, average score was in the 15 range. Now it's in 17 and a half. <laughs> <laughs> well, it's interesting. So as I spent more money and time in developing self-esteem, narcissism isn't a problem. That's exactly what's going on. We're developing a society of people who think well of themselves, but their actual productivity is low lower. Their actual achievement is lower. So I feel better about doing worse. That's exactly a quote that in one of the articles that I saw is very similar to that. We're feeling really good about low performance (laughs) 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 or achieving less. And yet we have higher ambitions. There was a a college freshman uh, survey that was provided and they we have a tendency to be thinking more positively about ourselves. In other words, I'm above average. More people think they're above average than in the past. Wow, and that's pretty recent, too. That was Hans Bader, right, in January of 2013, says teacher self-esteem undermines students' academic achievement. That's right. There's all sorts of interesting research, but people aren't willing to pay attention to it because, guess what, I really do believe and uh, this is going to sound a little bit uh, out there to a degree. I really do believe, obviously, the ruler of this world wants self-esteem pushed. Why? Because it goes directly against God's word. Let me read again. I mentioned it. Philippians 2, 3 and 4. Here it is. Let nothing, let nothing be done through selfish ambition or conceit, but in lowliness of mind, let each esteem others better than himself. Let each of you look not, look out not only for his own interests, but also for the interests of others. I mean, it's very clear right there that my attention is to be more on serving others than it is on thinking well of myself. I mean, it's very clear. And if I end up having self-esteem, I'm going to end up being self-absorbed. And that is the negative side of looking at me. I need to look at me on the positive side, which is self-governance or self-control. And that is some of the great research that we've seen here come out from uh, Roy Baumeister. I'm just really glad to have found his material because it's been such a benefit to be reading secular research proving that God's Word, again, is means right. what it says. It means what it says. <laughs> it's exactly right. So what? instead of spending more time talking about self-esteem, let's talk about 
self-control. Let's talk about self-governance. Let's talk about the benefits. Okay, that well, are I wanted to go there. back there. So you know, we did this whole thing—a trophy for all, right? right? And you said, "No, am I willing to try it?" And I'm thinking, well. If I'm going to be a great athlete, it seems to go in line with what you've told me before about primary and secondary mm-hmm. choices. Mm-hmm. Well, it, it certainly is going to have that flavor to it. But the issue is more important in my mind. The issue is, am I willing to just step out and go try it? Am I willing to see if I can pull it off? Even if I don't pull it off the first time, am I willing to get myself back up and try it again? Because you're never going to end up developing confidence if you just think well of yourself or you just think that you can do it. And here's here's something that I love that Roy Baumeister also said. The video game industry has not fallen prey to self-esteem. <laughs> okay, why is now, that? Now, now, now think that's of, curious. Now, it's very curious. I loved what he said here. He said, when you go play a video game, they don't sit there and go... Uh, you're, you really are a cool person, and you're so awesome that you're going to be able to do this well. No, they make you start out at the lowest level. You're a newbie. You don't know how to do any of this. And they give you all sorts of opportunities to go in there and experiment to see if you actually can do it, and they reinforce the times that you do it and encourage you to take the next step and go try to get some more feedback. I mean, it's very interesting the way that video games totally deny this whole idea of, well, I think I can do it. Just because you think you can do it doesn't mean that you actually can do it. You're going to have to go in there and try to see. So we need that little Pac-Man sound effect, the right? There's no lack of self-esteem. That's there. It's right. just reality. It's reality. That's exactly right. Those video games aren't going, but you're still so good. Here's a trophy for failing. You know, they don't do that. They they. They show you, you know, you failed somehow. You're dead. (laughs) That's exactly right. So let's move back to talking about self-control so that we can be uh, focused on seeing what what the real issue is here. Self-governance is best described in this way, passing up immediate gratification for future benefits. So you want me to be strong in the face of temptation? Absolutely. You do need to do that, but we're going to we're going to show you the reason why that doesn't work the best. That is what we're hoping for that when temptation shows up that the Holy Spirit through you is going to help you stop that. But on just a secular level, we can talk about it a little bit differently. The big idea though, but behind this is to simply say, here's a temptation I'm not going to go there because I have future benefits that I'm thinking about. I'm not going to take this one route at this point in time. So there's a bar on that street. I'm going to take a different That's route. That's right. In fact, that thank you for bringing that up. I love this, love this allegory. Let me read this to you. It's so, so good in this book because it really gives you an understanding of what's going on in this putting things off. Baumeister's book. Baumeister's book. That's right. It's on page uh, 183, and it's talking about Eric Clapton's relapse into drugs. So let me just read directly out of the book, if you don't mind. When Eric Clapton relapsed on that summer evening, when he drove by the pub and couldn't resist stopping in for a drink, he was undone by what's called hyperbolic discounting. We'll talk a little bit about that in a minute. Uh, The most precise way to explain that concept is with graphic and hyperbolas. But we'll try to, a visual metaphor mixed with an old allegory. I love this. Now listen to this. This is just a great picture of what happens to us. Think of Eric Clapton on that Sunday evening as a repentant sinner 
who is literally on the road to salvation, like the hero of Pilgrim's Progress, the 17th century allegory. Suppose that he, too, is journeying toward a celestial city. While traveling through the open countryside, he can see the city's far-off golden spires and is heading in their direction. This evening, he looks ahead and notices a pub strategically situated at a bend in the road so that it's directly in front of travelers. From this distance, it looks like a small building. And he keeps his eyes fixed on the grander spires of the celestial city in the background. But as Eric the Pilgrim approaches the pub, it looms larger. And when he arrives, the building completely blocks his view of the celestial city. He can no longer see those golden spires in the distance. Suddenly, the celestial city seems much less important than this one little building. And thus, verily, our pilgrim's progress ends with him passed out on the pub's floor. Isn't that a great, <laughs> great allegory? To I'm what, thinking saying, ouch or amen. Yeah, that's, that's exactly how our life often happens in that situation. We give up our long-term goal for what becomes immediately in front of us, and you call that... Hyperbolic discounting. That's what he calls it. That's right. Okay, I'm going to have to ask you about that after the break. We'll be back right after this. The website, greatrelationships.com, grumulatrelationships.com. Great quotes for great relationships. You are not responsible for your family tree, but you are responsible for your limb and the acorns that fall from it. Dr. Marlon Howe. Great relationships, pursuing the best in work, in life, in love. Right thinking, right relationships, right now. Relationships can be great, and not just marriages or romantic relationships, all relationships. The Bible offers the same solution to what is essentially the same problem. What is the problem and what is the solution? Study along with us to find out. Great Relationships is a video course offering biblically-based insight on relationships. In each video, watch Herman tame tough issues by discussing them in a casual online learning environment. Each of Great Relationships' 12 chapters are subdivided into quick segments you can squeeze into a coffee break. So if you've had time to listen to this promotion, you have the time to sign up and start today. Visit our website at greatrelationships.com. That's G-R numeral eight relationships.com to sign up for our free newsletter. Pursuing the best in work, in life, in love. Right thinking, right relationships, right now. You're listening to Great Relationships, grnumeral8relationships.com, pursuing the best in work and life and love. Listen, before the break, we had hyperbolic disconnect. <laughs> discounting. I know, discounting. discounting. God bless you. <laughs> uh, the easier way to say that is when the temptation gets closer to us, the closer it gets to us, the greater chance you're going to succumb. We need to start thinking about some ways that we can move ourselves to more self-governance or more self-control. We need to be thinking about something. Well, I'm thinking this pub is pretty much filled the windscreen and temptation's taken that's over. A, that's exactly what happens to us. So there's a variety of ways that he mentions in the book. And obviously, let me throw this out very, very clearly. 
the best way for us to remove ourselves from temptation is to be following the Holy Spirit and listening to his conviction of our hearts. The Lord is still going to let us make a decision to sin. He's not going to remove that decision from our minds. A lot of our issues, though, related to self-control and self-governance is the fact that we're not walking with the Lord. The Holy Spirit is the ultimate ability in self-control because that is one of the fruits of the Spirit. Love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, gentleness, faithfulness, and what? Self-control. Self-control comes from the Holy Spirit. If you're not willing to walk that road yet, which I really hope that you are, because I don't believe that everything that I'm going to tell you here on the so-called secular scale is going to work for you, but these are some things that you can also do. Here's some actions that can help. First, make certain that you pursue the best for others. And that delays a flashing me moment. That delays the, okay, if I do that, will that really be a benefit to other people? That's a good place to go. I'm willing to delay the gratification that I have here so that I can benefit others. So that's one thing you can do. Secondly, pursue clear goals. Have very clear goals in your mind as to what you're wanting to attain. If you don't have clear goals, you're not going to be able to sidestep any temptation that gets in your way. If the pilgrim truly had the clear goal of getting to the celestial city, he would have found a way to get his eyes focused on the celestial city and not let that pub block his view from it. Or maybe even taking a different road. Exactly. That's that's key. That's where we're going to end up. So pursue clear goals and focus on the next step that you can take to move in that direction. Thirdly, Pursued feedback. Get feedback from other people on how you're doing. In other words, are you focused on yourself all the time? Get feedback on whether or not you're pursuing or getting this self-control more in your life. Are you willing to have a mindset of being accountable to somebody? I want to stop doing this. Uh, Well, get somebody else involved to share with them what you're going to do. And guess what? That gives you some feedback and to tell you whether you're making progress or you're regressing, one or the other. Fourthly, pursue practice and improvement. Same type of thing. I need to go practice this idea. Oh, I want more self-control in writing 250 words a day. Okay, go practice. See how you're doing. Measure it. See if you're actually achieving 250 words a day or 250 words an hour, whatever whatever you set out as that clear goal. Am I doing that? And again, get some accountability partners with you to get you to focus on those type of things. Those are four things that you can consider. Pursue the best for others. Distract your mind from the temptation to go serve somebody. Pursue clear goals. Do I have a clear goal in my mind and where I'm trying to achieve, or am I just going to be reacting, responding, or whatever shows up? Uh, pursue feedback. Get feedback. Make certain that you accept everybody's viewpoint on where, whether you're showing more self-control or not. And then finally, pursue practice and improvement. The one last thing that I think is probably the most important one is what we've talked about before. Pursue pre-deciding. Roy Baumeister's work has shown the people that have self-control don't use it in the emergencies. They've thought about the emergency beforehand and used it to create a pattern or a lifestyle that avoids the emergencies. That's what God is asking us to do. You see, I predecide that I'm not going to go by. If, if I see a pub in the distance, I don't walk by it. I keep my eyes focused on Celestial City. You see, that's a predecision. You don't say, well, I hope I'm strong enough when I walk by it. That's 
that's not pre-deciding. Pre-deciding says, here's a situation that I probably will be faced with, and I am not going to go there. So the people that have self-control, based on his research, have found ways, in his terms, to pre-commit. They have decided that they're not going to allow themselves to get into that situation, and they've already thought through ways to avoid it. So when you are in an emergency, your self-control is being misused. Your self-control is better to be thinking about it beforehand to create habits, to create avoiding paths, create ways that you're going to stay away from the temptation so that it doesn't loom and beat you in the actual temptation. And I love that. That is, that is the way God is wanting us to be thinking, is to renew our mind, to put our mind in the right direction. So the one thing I want you to think is pre-decide, think through those times that you might be tempted, make a decision to not go there by God's grace. So there you go. Everyone gets a trophy if we predecide, not because we predecide, <laughs> determined to give everyone a trophy. So there you have it. The website, Great Relationships, greatrelationships.com, GR, numeratrelationships.com. Find us and like us on Facebook, or you know what? Drop us a line at Great Relationships, Post Office Box 51836, Midland, Texas, 79710. Great Relationships, pursuing the best in work, in life, in love. It takes right thinking for right relationships right now. How is your day going, Barbara? I can't even begin to tell you how terrific my life is right now. What a coincidence. My life is just overflowing with blessings, too. Why, just yesterday, I found a $100 bill on the ground. That's great. I saved a cat that was stuck in a tree, and the owner was so thankful that she gave me a gift card to my favorite restaurant, Luigi's. Wow, I was in Luigi's just the other day and saved a man that was choking with the Heimlich Maneuver. He was so overjoyed that he gave me tickets to that new play that's been sold out for weeks. That's amazing. I've been wanting to see that play myself. Really? I asked my husband and he didn't want to go. Will you go with me? That would be great. Have you ever had days like this? (laughs) Neither have we. That's why we recommend great relationships. Join Herman as he offers you the opportunity to pursue the best for others, kindly, patiently, sacrificially, and unconditionally. Right thinking, right relationships, right now. 